Hi, it's David Pollan, and this is the hot button number 57 in the year 2022. Yes, it's that time of the year for those of us who opine for a living to stick our necks into the guillotine in the courtyard while people throw old vegetables and fruit. Or in Hollywood, polyblend sweaters and cars without built-in Wi-Fi. Some fearless and fearful predictions for 2022. First, there will be no major acquisitions or mergers in 2022. Everyone seems to be waiting on the next shoe to drop in the Viacom, Paramount, or Sony Pictures, or Lionsgate situation. But Amazon's already buying a $9 billion MGM UA. They aren't going to be going in for a $25 billion or $60 billion spend on these others in a hurry. AppleScene shows no signs of prioritizing a big build of their platform. High profile, but not deep. Netflix really doesn't need to buy a big pylon of new people and all these neuroses for each of these companies. And John Malone isn't still in Lionsgate trying to blend that company's assets with a new Discovery or Warner's effort. The only real option for something to happen is for some combination of these three companies to merge in an effort to scale to compete. But it seems that it's more likely that Lionsgate will spin stars off than try to scale it themselves. Neither Paramount or Sony has shown a tendency to acquire or build. The truth is, the theme of must-scale-up for streamers, endlessly droned about in the last couple of years, is false. It is not the size of the library. It is how you use it. Netflix has used their first-mover advantage brilliantly, but they're now adjusting. Disney is being held back by not fully integrating Hulu into their absolute must-have bundle with Disney+, Plus, though they've had great success with a classic brand. HBO Max has the massive foothold of HBO and a deep, deep library of TV content and films, including some major IP. But under Zaslav, it seems clear he will clean up the paths to the content from the two organizations that are they already control. And then, who knows? The goal is to get enough control of those 50 hours a week that people watch television to make paying for the service each month feel comfortable. Exciting is great, but what streamers need for subscribers is to be at peace. Not throwing away money, but not necessarily being the most watched thing on the TV. Try to match the ubiquitous of Netflix if you must. Or find your own voice that fills the void that people turn their TV on to fill every day. But stop following the leader, march to your own drum, and do it well. Next up, who sticks and who flips? Amazon will make room for DeLuca and Abdi. The likelihood is if Amazon wasn't acquiring MGMUA and someone else was, and those people let DeLuca and Abdi go, Amazon would be in a hurry to hire them. Ted Hope is a great Ted Hope. But Michael and Pamela have a similar interest in high quality, but a natural lean into a more commercial mindset. This seems to fit the Amazon mindset to a fairly well. Zaslav will not make room, on the other hand, for Jason Kylar. I don't know that Zaslav is shy or fearful of other people being popular, but one of Kylar's greatest gifts is clearly building constituencies that want him to win. And what hard-charging leader needs that guy floating behind him and he makes his own decisions, brilliant or stupid? The biggest question to me is to what degree Zaslav is going to clear out the executive ranks in each content segment of the company. There are some hardcore cockroaches in the Warner Media world, and that isn't meant as an insult. These people are survivors, and they rise while others get squished. Of course, the looming issue when any of these sea changes happen is who will replace the devil you know? Elizabeth Gabler has a nice setup at Sony, but running Warner Brothers would be a statement for both sides. Is Peter Rice really looking for a way out of Disney? Who is the great young marketing genius in town right now? Who knows? Next, the NFL joins the mass market with streaming. Sunday Ticket will flip into a more current direct-to-consumer model, abandoning the exclusivity of DirecTV or any other outlet that will use it as bait rather than as a direct cash engine. The current annual revenue stream is approximately $600 million, earned from 2 million customers paying about $300 each for a full season. 
there'll be some partner like Amazon, Apple, or ESPN most likely who doesn't get a piece of the action from the NFL for doing this package. For them, the benefit will be having captured Sparks Market coming to their space for 17 weekends a year worldwide. So whoever it is, they should have an international footprint with a streamer already and be ready to push that footprint even harder. The first season will open up with the buying opportunity at individual games, season passes for single out-of-town teams, and weekend passes for full non-local service. The NFL will make a deal with their partners at Fox and CBS to allow for local stations to get a revenue share, maybe even local ad time, so that buyers who pay for full packages can see those games in the same place as they see out-of-market games, which is to mean not switching back and forth between their app and their regular TV. The first target of the year will be to get 30 million customers to spend at least $75 each, which adds up to about $2.25 billion. But that's just the beginning. Over the following years, the model will be adjusted to maximize both household, buying households and overall revenues. Next, premium format theaters explode. And I mean it in the good way. The number of premium format theaters and multiplexes will more than double in 2022 to over 3,000. IMAX, Dolby, and the individual chain-branded rooms will continue to restructure the finances of theatrical. The rooms take up more space and have had fewer seats than quote-unquote normal theaters, and they cost more to create. But amongst the trends we have seen as we slowly have returned from COVID is that people who want to go to the theaters want to go to these premium experiences. The question will be, as it has been so many times before, is how these changes will be paid for. Exhibition has been in survival mode for almost two years, and distributors are dancing around the theatrical window like Hargan around the Maypole, waiting for the ritual death. If you don't know what that means, please see the movie Midsummer from A24. In Los Angeles, a premium theater ticket in an AMC is an extra five and a half bucks over a normal screen. 3D is a buck more. So if you're trying to reach out to a narrower audience that is willing to pay more for a better experience, that 20% bump in the ticket price is a potential savior. It'll take a few years for any newly constructed premium room to make its cost back, but it seems to me that this is the price for entry for the future of exhibition. There will still be plenty of people who are not interested in paying that premium, and not every screen should be premium, but while we miss the Arclight standard, the next standard is another step forward. Next, 2022 will be more consistently inconsistent at the box office than 2021. January is a couple muscle movies and a thin schedule. February is loaded to the gills with potential B movies, B level movies in terms of box office, a couple of which could pop, though Sony will hope to convert Spider Mania into a big win with Uncharted. And then the Batman on March 4th, which everybody's run away from, leaving the barren win landscape for most of the month, aside from the counter programming of Downton Abbey. April has a couple what look like $100 million titles, but others will have to show themselves as marketable. Then the summer starts and kind of dyads for each month. Strain, Doctor Strange and Tom Cruise, Dinosaurs and Buzz Lightyear. Then July gets three tentpoles with more minions, more Thor, and The Rock as a superhero. The key to consistency at the box office will be the titles that are not big noise yet. DC League of Super Pets could make May much stronger, or not. John Wick 2, The Lost City, they seem to have lost their D. The Bad Guys, Bullet Train, Secret Headquarters, I have no idea on these titles, or many others really, and some will surely stand up and take their place. The Hank's Elvis movie, for instance, if that turns out to be a $100 million title, it will matter a lot. Next, Wall Street will not cooperate with execs desperate to raise their stock price. Wall Street will continue to punish every company with a streamer without the call letters NFLX. Stop trying to make fetch a thing. 
because at these prices, it could kill you. Next, cord cutting will continue, another 10%. But there's going to have to be an event that turns the corner for streaming as the foundational delivery system to accelerate in a way that seems inevitable in time. 200 megabytes per second to 300 megabytes per second in household internet for 30 to 50 bucks a month seems to be the threshold. But it's shocking how many people cannot get that level of service at this time. Next, the evolution of the Academy, Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, will directly be reflective of who replaces Dawn Hudson and how quickly she is replaced. That is Dawn. The Academy Board of Governors is a group of powerful and brilliant people, but they tend to meander unless they're led. The CEO is going to be that leader, like it or not. Before Dawn, the leadership was like the staff in a British household drama, invisible but clearly in charge. Dawn has been unable to lead the organization towards best possible options throughout her run. None of it's a complete disaster, but that is not the standard. In classic political terms, is the Academy better off now than it was before she took the job? There is no question that the push for inclusion has been good and important, but that was forced and overreached from the start. It should never have been contentious. But the show has floundered, the museum is middling, especially in light of the resources that have been expended and are available to the group, and the entire award season has become more and more of an island. Whoever is hired for the job needs to be highly passionate and ambitious for the organization, not a log roller, and the sooner the better. Finally, the cable, the, the Golden Globes will be back on TV in 2023. <laughs> Great. How many times must we watch this happen? It's not going to be as lush an organization. It will be heavily intertwined with Penske Media, and enough of the players in town will play, even if the talent will not show up. Essentially, next year's Globes will be a rebuild like it was in the early years of the NBC deal. But CCA will not have a big footprint this year, like it or not. It's no small part because the organization has refused to find a brand for its award that anyone can remember, which they needed to do years ago. Nobody's going around saying, I want a CCA. I want a CCA. What is a CCA? Uh, people forget everyone around town, everybody was involved, knew what the HFPA was before the LA Times put it in the newspaper. Some have turned the corner and had enough, but many just want their marketing toy back. Follow the money. It's all made by the show happening on a network. None of it is made by keeping the show off the air. Organizations that are vetting the show now will be given millions in grants. So it will be back on the air. And with that, until tomorrow. <laughs>